Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of the Navigating Cancer Together podcast. I am your host, Talea Dendi. If you're new to this podcast, it is typically about cancer, really all things cancer. And I talk to people from all walks of life. For this episode, it's going to be a little different. We're going to talk about health-related issues, not specifically cancer. We'll touch on cancer a little bit, but this episode is in honor of Men's Health Month. Some of you may know that June is Men's Health Month, and we're coming up to a close on the month of June. So I wanted to make sure that I got this special episode out. This episode is going to focus on Black men's health. And I'm going to be talking with a very special guest. I would like for you all to just sit back and listen. I'm hoping that the dialogue that I have with my guest will encourage you to continue these important conversations. So for this episode, my guest is Kevin Snipes. I reached out to Kevin and I asked him if he would be willing to have a very important conversation with me. And I asked him if he would be my guest to talk about Black men's health. So without further ado, Kevin Snipes is a profound poet, author, as well as a photographer. He seeks to teach not only with words, but also with demonstration by example. His mission is to enlighten and increase awareness of individual potential and purpose through each of his talents and gifts. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us for this very special episode. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Talia. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. You mentioned earlier, this episode is really in honor of Men's Health Month, particularly Black Men's Health Month. Kevin, why don't we start by you sharing your definition of health? Okay, okay. Well, I want to definitely say thank you again for having me on your on your show. On your, I, I definitely want to say that again, and and for the the public eyes, our ears to hear and see, and so much for seeding that mental health training into my life. I mean, it meant a lot, and then to see how this connection has blossomed since then. I mean, I am grateful for that. Yeah, we're moving and grooving in our lives or whatever, but I definitely wanted to pull back to just acknowledge that. And I want to thank you for the show. This is like, I've been on Zoom before, but this is like my first time doing an actual interview. And so we had spoke about this previously as far as me, hey, I don't know if this is my lane to be, you know, going down this lane or whatever, but I appreciate you so much of want to honor men's health in this month of June, of taking that initiative and going out and saying, hey, look, this is what I want to do. Like you said, in particular for Black men to go ahead and have something that's going to go ahead and speak to our health in particular. So I definitely appreciate that. So to answer to your first question, which was, um, it seems simple, but once I dove into it, I was like, wow, this is, this is pretty deep. But my definition of Health is living good, to aspire to live life free from pain, worries, you know, anxiety, having a clear mind, a clear head, and a, a body that is resistant to the things of the ailments and the pains that try to restrict it from doing the things that it can freely and should freely do. 
Thank you for that. And I love how you said living good. And that can mean something different for everyone. But then you also talked about a clear mind and just also the physical side of it. And I am a firm believer that all of those things are very important. And the mind and the body, I say this so many times, the mind and the body work together. And sometimes people don't understand that if they're depressed, they don't understand why their body's aching and things right. like that. Yes, 100%. Yes. And I'm glad you obviously made are making that connection in, in your life, you know, to understand that, because that's why I said the question, you know, it kind of seems simple. You know, you say, what's the definition of health? You want to just go ahead and answer it just off the top of your head. And it's like, no, that's a pretty deep question. Because, yeah. you know, everybody's going to have a different variations of their definitions to it. That's right. And it's really about what is important to you and making sure that whatever that is, that you're getting those things to help you live your optimal definition of health. Wow. You went into my second part of the, of the answer. That's, <laughs> yes. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Yeah, uh, it is. Whatever it is, you know, it is for that individual, what their definition is, is for them to take those steps to to achieve that that's what it is you know whatever i mean it's kind of parallel to money i mean if you want to be a billionaire you know what steps are you taking to do that you know but i think health is to me is way more important not to say that money isn't important but one thing my great grandmother used to always say if you don't have your health you don't have anything so true from a personal perspective i've had to deal with something that attacked my health. And when you're younger and you're, you know, you're living life and you're like, well, you know, I can get by on like four hours of sleep. But when your health is attacked, you really have to stop and think and say, you know what, I have to get my health together because if I don't have my health, I can't do anything else. I can't make money. I can't run around like this. I can't take care of all the things I need to take care of. And so that's an excellent point. Yes. Kevin, what have been some obstacles that you have faced in the past that have prevented you from achieving your own optimal health? All right. Good. Another good question, Talia. And you kind of just answered it in your answer again. But for me personally, I have to be honest. <clears throat> I haven't had any obstacles. Okay, and I say that is because just what you just said, when we're younger, we don't think about the quality of life. We're, you know, we're robust, you know, we're strong, you know, vitality, and we're just running around, jumping off swings and doing wheelies. And, you know, even if we do hurt ourselves, you know, we're just, you know, right back out there the next day. I could allude to, you know, hey, you know, good genes or, you know, you inherited some things that I'm going to put, I, I'll put those in there as well. But my philosophy, I believe we've all, you know, there might be somebody, oh, stop it right there. I got to challenge you on that. But I, that's my belief that we've all been given a clean bill of health from the start. Just like when we go to class and you have one of those teachers that said, everybody in here gets an A. It's your choice on, do you want to keep the A? Do you want to lower it to a B? Do you want to lower it to to a C, you know, these are the things that you're going to need to do to maintain that A, you know, attendance, homework, you know, the assignments and things like that. So that's, that's been my belief. Now, as far as an obstacle that was external, I can't really blame anything on an external 
obstacle. Only thing I can blame is myself for the things that I've done to myself and to my body through neglect, through pride, and through ignorance of thinking that I was going to have a 15-year-old mind and a 15-year-old body forever. And that obviously isn't the case. That's so true. You live long enough and you see older people and see them moving. First of all, you listen to them, you know, and then, you you know, that was a blessing for me to be able to see and to be able to sit at the feet of some of my family members, elders, and some of the elders that just in the community and the world that I've had an opportunity to listen to. And I was able to come back home and start thinking about, excuse me, thinking about making adjustments to say, do you want to live long? And do you want to have a good quality of life for a long time? And if you do, then there may be some things that you're going to have to adjust in your life to achieve those things. Yeah, so true. Kevin, in addition to the wise words from your grandmother and elders in your community or family, what were some other things that help you come to that realization that you're not going to be 15 forever, neither is your body? So what were some things that really started to speak to you? You know, again, very good questions. Very, very good questions. For me, because of those seeds that were planted in my life, I was, I was naive enough. I'm going to say it like that. I was naive enough to give elders, older people, grandparents, grandparents, five or 10 minutes of my time. I say that is because, you know, I think about it today. Oh, I wish I would have sat at the feet even more. You know what I mean? But even those five minutes when we're in a life of ripping and running, we don't have time to sit and listen to no older person that's sitting on a park bench. You know what I mean? Feeding ducks and, and, and geese and stuff like that. So I was naive enough just to, you know, sit down and actually put myself in a position to where, cause I can't really say I listen, you know what I mean? So what they said, obviously they knew what they were doing. They knew that if they could get the word inside of me, that one day it would do it as a seed. It one day it would blossom back. And so I did myself, if you would, that disservice by thinking I was just, you know, doing a little charity, but they spoke into my life. So things didn't happen immediately. Like I said, I'm, you know, running on a figure and, and, and vitality and strength and thinking, oh, man, it's going to be like this forever. Um, so it came a time where I wanted to do something with my outside physical body. I wanted to have the cuts. I wanted to have the pecs. I wanted to be buff. You know what I mean? And so there was a fishbowl at a place where I worked at in this gym, they had a, some things that you just fell out and you put them in this fishbowl and they would pull them out or whatever. So many names, I probably put out all of them. That was their gimmick. You know what I mean? And they call you, say you want a two week free membership. And here it goes to show you where I was. I actually thought I could do something in two weeks. You know what I mean? I was like, I'm going to do the two free. I'm not paying for this. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to do the two weeks. I'm going to get, I'm going to get real good and then look good. And then going about, because I'm already, I'm already young and got this vitality. So I just need a little bit of weight and go in there and do it. I didn't know you need to maintain it. I didn't know anything about nothing about the gym. And so I pulled, they called me. And the thing is, uh, they called me on a, I don't know what day they called me on, 
but they scheduled the appointment on a Monday. And this was like in the winter time. So here it is, I went to work and just, you know, coming home, you want to kick off your shoes and just kind of sit back. It's winter, it's cold outside. And this guy called me, said, hey, man, we got your appointment set up. You come in, I'm going to show you around the gym. You know, this is, you know, because you got to do this part to get the two-week mm-hmm. membership. So I came in there, I got my boots on, leather coat. And I didn't even bring tennis shoes, you know, because I'm just like, hey, man, I just want the membership. I'm not coming to touch nothing. And, and this guy, he seen me. He seen it because he was a salesperson. He wants that money. And he looked at me and I'm and I'm half asleep because I want to go back home and sit on the couch and watch TV. And he said, hey, man, hey, I want to show you something. He said, take off that coat for a minute. I'm like, what? He was in his office. I took the coat off. And he puts me on. I don't know if it was a bike or a treadmill. And I'm out there on this bike and I'm doing this and the gym's all in the open. The track goes around there and I'm seeing all these people. I'm seeing these guys lifting weights and all, you know, with these cuts and everything. And then I'm not even going to mention the women, you know, and I'm looking at the women and I'm like, oh man, this place is, oh, and, and I'm, you know, so I was sold on, on a membership that day, you know, because I seen, you know, I knew, I thought I knew what I wanted to do. But then I seen, hey, look, this is a lifestyle people are doing on an outer part of their, I mean, an outer shell of their bodies, um, getting them together. And so I started going to the gym. <clears throat> and a lot of things I was still doing that were contrary, contradictory to what I was doing on the outside. That's why I speak explicitly that I was working on the outside. However, like I said, those seeds that were planted inside me. And at that time, I had read a couple of books, you know, Positive Thinking, Thinking Grow Rich, The Magic of Thinking Big. So I was reading positive books at the same time. So in conjunction with the beginning to work out, that's where my journey kind of began as far as the physical part of it. But I wasn't on it for the health thing. I was just on it to look good. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that story, Kevin, because... One thing I definitely got out of it was that, yes, at first you were focused on the outside, wanting to look good, but in order to make that happen, you had to be dedicated and that takes some mind work as well. So Mm -hmm. maybe at that time, it wasn't apparent to you Mm -hmm. that you were also doing some mental work or mind work as well, but actually you were because just staying committed to it, you got to do some stuff up here. and reprioritize things in your life to keep that schedule, you know, for example, yeah, for example, like working out four times a week, like you have to shift some things around in your life. And then also in your mind, because there's Mm -hmm. days where you're like, I just don't feel like doing this. But then you have to have those talks and say, okay, get, let me get my butt in there. I got this membership, you know, I really want to look a certain way. So I just wanted to throw that in there as well. No, you're hundred percent. And that was one of the key selling points that the guy, when he sold me the membership, because it was back in the day when, I mean, memberships were, they were, they were up there, you know, some of them are still are the lifetime, the lifetime gems or whatever, but these memberships, they were up there. I'm like, man, ain't no way I'm, I'm paying this for no membership. I mean, you actually financed the membership mm-hmm. and, but he broke it down. To, and, and I didn't like it. I mean, it wasn't something I was involved with anyway. So I was like, I can't see the value in this. And, but he broke it down to where, when he broke it down in the 30 days, 
how much it was costing a month. He said, man, if you come here this many days, like you said, four or five times a week, he said, you're almost making it pay you. And that made me prop up in the chair I was sitting in because it was like, I heard get over, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I'm, you know, if I come this many days, it's only going to be like a dollar a day or whatever. So when I looked at it on the financial end that I wasn't really losing, you know, that I'm paying for this membership, I can see the value in it value wise, I mean, excuse me, monetary wise, money wise. And so that kind of made me get up. So I was, I wanted, I took a vengeance out on going into the place. Mm-hmm. I said, their doors is open. Hey, I got a membership. I'm going in there. And so you're right. I didn't know what I was doing, but I said, I'm going in here because I'm paying rent. So I'm going to go ahead and use it. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was so important for the listeners to hear that because even when we feel like we're in a sense, we're on autopilot. Let's just say that you were subconsciously doing some things to prepare your mind for that as well. Being able to tune into those things is so important because it can really change the trajectory of your life if you allow it to. And if you just stick with it, even going to the gym, it can change your life in so many different ways, not just your body. It helps with stress, anxiety, high blood pressure, all those things. But it also can introduce you to a whole new group of people, too, that you may not otherwise have met. And then forming those relationships can lead you down another path. So you just never know. I guess you're taking all my notes out of the book. So (laughs) this is good. This is real good. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing that story, Kevin. I kind of want to segue into another somewhat heavy topic. And it's one that's very concerning for me. And it's the lack of some men's willingness to ask for help when they're struggling with something. And so this is a twofold question. The first one is, are you comfortable asking for help if you need some type of support? And then the second question is, why is it hard for some men to ask for help? Oh, they're both really, really, really tough questions. You know, to be transparent about them, you would have to acknowledge that that they're tough because they're 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 questions that really, really go to your core as a black man. Um, because of the way how we move, you know, how we're how we've been traditionally conditioned to move, you know. And as I looked at the question, as I started working on it to answer it, I'll, I'll give you the. Second question, the second part of the question, I don't even think I have an answer for that. Mm-hmm. It's I, pretty I just, heavy. I, yeah, I'll I, I be 100% with you on that. Um, but the answer I do have, I headed this answer off with accountability. Okay. It's a, it's a bittersweet. You know, this, this answer is bittersweet. And this is how I think most black, black men move. I'm not going to say all of us, you know what I mean? We have groups, we have accountability groups, support groups. I mean, there, there's all kinds of things out here, okay? But for the most part, the way how we, myself, I'll speak for myself, you know, kind of like I use the, the gym schedule and the determination on how I started going about that, you know, I'll use that as a, a framework of how we move. Like you just said, once you start doing that and you're committed to yourself on things that you want to accomplish, you know, whether it be a job, whether it be a career, whether it be a family, whether it be financing, whether you want to build a house with your own two hands or whatever, you're committed and you're determined to do that. 
once you get into that schedule, once you get into that routine, to me, the key thing, you know, that keeps, that separates, excuse me, that you can see a difference, I'm not going to say it's good, is that when you have that accountability to yourself, when you have that accountability to yourself, you know, that you, you can't fail, you got to go do this, you have to go to work, you know, to feed your family, whatever kind of things those are that you must do, and things that you mustn't do, you know what I mean? So what happens, you get caught up in that routine to where now when you speaking with another brother, you know, at the barbershop or, or wherever it may be that you're in your circles that you're having these conversations with, some of these things that may come out, you may talk about them. How did you do this? How did you get by this or whatever? But by the time we meet, it's not, you, you're meeting out of a place of strength at that time. Okay. So me personally, what I've done in those groups is I extract the information. You know, I extract whatever it is that I need at the time, extract anything. Well, I can't even say I do that on purpose, but I extract all the information from any one of the men that I'm around. So if it's something that I haven't experienced at that time to where now when I do see it down the road, I remember that this is what this brother shared with me. This is what he did in this situation. So we do still end up finding ourselves on an island, but we do have our groups, but we do need to get better at having these directions and these meetings purposeful with intent and saying, hey, well, let me hold you accountable and you hold me accountable. You know, I know you're doing well because, hey, that's what we'll do. We'll come in each other's presence because we're going to present ourselves the best we are at that time, that we're doing good, that hey, we're making it or whatever. And kind of a dichotomy in that is that we draw strength from that. We, we draw strength from that. We draw strength out of the laughs, the jokes, even if we have a, a story that isn't so good, but we made it through it, we make a joke out of it. You know what I mean? So even the tragedy, that's why comedy is so huge because we're talking about tragedies and dramas that went on in our life and then some of us, we can do it while we're in it as well. We can make a joke out of that. And those are the kind of things that alleviate us and help us to kind of make it through. But hopefully, you know, that's some type of answer. But again, we do need to be more intentional in putting these groups together and say, hey, what are the points that we are going to hit that we're going to ask each other about that we're going to hold each other accountable for? Because the answer to your second question is... And I mentioned barbershops in there. I think even as a whole in the Black community, when I look at where we get our hair done at, where the women get their hair done at, where they get their manicures and pedicures done, where we do our insurance, okay? I think because we have an a, a issue with trust among one another that we end up, you know, everybody else handles our business. We There are white people that handle our accounting because of the fact that if I let somebody in to do my books, I let somebody in to do my, and I got to share with them where I am financially. I have to share with them where I am in my health, you know, what's going on. I have to share with them where I am in my emotions and my relationship, right? So what's going to happen, this is bad, is that that information is going to get shared most of the time. And sure. until we stop that, you know, it's going to be hard for us to trust one another with those 
parts of our life that we should be doing business with one another in. And it's hard for us to go out and say, to, to ask for that help, as you said, because one, we don't know if we're asking the right person. One of the things I've always said, you know, I operate with people with grace of thinking, who is this person? First, do they have the capacity and do they have the ability to help me with what I'm going to ask them? Okay, so if I go randomly and start asking people, you know, I might blow them away or they might blow me away with whatever it is that they ask me for help. And then I'm, I'm shell shocked. And I'm like, oh my God, we both need to go see a counselor now because you know, you got me as well. And so the, having the capacity, now how do I internalize and how do I reciprocate or pass on that information? Okay. If I don't have the wherewithal in myself to even say, hey, look, I don't know the answer to that, but guess what? We'll work together to see what we need to do to get that help right. That that right there is, a, is an intelligent response. You know, I'm not going to try to say you have to have a doctor's degree to mm -hmm. say something like that, but that's an intelligent response. I'm just pat myself on the back for that, right? That's real, but yeah. You have to have that to be able to say that. How many people have you heard with this, that one statement? Okay, so by the time I hear that, me internalizing it, I got to figure out how I'm going to make it to the next step of departing from this person, or am I going to take that information to prayer? Am I going to follow up with this person? Am I going to find a book? Am I going to find a resource for this person? Or am I going to find the next person that I talk to at the speakeasy or at the bar or at the corner and, and, and share that information with them? Mm -hmm. So true. You know, and that's, that's the type of things that I think you know, not to, you know, put us all on blast or not to, hopefully this doesn't come off as gaslighting or whatever, but I think this is the truth. This, you know, and I'll put it back on me as far as when you ask for help, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I, I'm more than comfortable asking for help. However, I have to look for someone that's successful in any area that I'm asking for the help in. And so back to the word accountability, I hold myself to a, so, such a high standard as far as what I'm doing. I know if I'm looking at this person or, or thinking about asking this person, I, if I'm telling myself to get up at this time to go do this walk and to go do this run and to try to be committed to this workout and to this eating reg regimen or whatever, I have to know this person has to be, I would hope, and that's my standard, that this person has to be higher than that to be able to, to help me. You know what I mean? This, this, you know, so I would have no problem doing that when I don't have any problem doing that. But the thing is, is that you can find those answers and you can find that help. What I found, it may not be an actual interaction with the physical person at the time. I mean, like right now we're across fiber optics and we're on a computer. Okay. We've had telephones for a while. Okay. But there's videos, there's books there, you know, before we ever made it to, you know, actual person to go to the corner and just stand there and with our tears coming down, say, Hey, man, can you help me or whatever? So I think, you know, with that accountability and, and, and just having that desire and that determination to find the help, you know, for myself or whatever, I'm going to scratch and crawl. I'm going to find a resource that's going to help me to the 
until I can get to the next level, until I can get to the next step. And I found out that it doesn't always have to be in a person, an actual person. If a person wrote a book, I mean, that's that person that took their time out to write 10 chapters in the book, outlining the steps that we need to do to get to this result. Thank you so much. And I understand that is a tough question to answer because there's so many different factors involved. And just flat out for anybody, it's hard to ask for help because our society has conditioned us to believe that, you know, when you need help, you ask for help. It could potentially be a sign of weakness. That's for all of us. Just starting right yes. there with that fact is tough. I appreciate you taking the time to explain things from your point of view and also sharing your personal experiences with it and what you've seen. I think it's so important to ask that question. And I've been asking a lot of men that I've interviewed this question because as a woman, I would like to understand what are some things that I can do to support you all? Because I know I have brothers. I, of course, have men in my family. And men struggle too. And we hear a lot of talk about support groups for women, women this, women that, but I just don't want anyone to be left out. And I don't often hear a lot of conversations about go to this men's support group or black men can go here to get this personalized support. And in doing the work that I'm doing, I'm just starting to see and even realize even more than I did before, there are a lot of gaps in our care when it comes to not just Black people, but mm -hmm. Black men particularly. On my journey, I'm trying to learn what I can do to help. And so that's why I'm asking these questions. The other part of it is, Kevin, is the relational piece between Black men and Black women. As you know, society, the media paints this picture that we pretty much hate each other, high value this, low value that, toxic this, that, and the other. I think the conversation needs to be changed. That's why I'm asking this question as well, because I don't hate Black men. I love Black men. And I know Thank there you. was a time when I had my frustrations because of what I experienced personally what I've seen happen in my own family. But as I shared with you in a previous conversation, I had to do that internal work, mm -hmm. you know, to get past that and to work on that trauma so that I could show up and help Black men in whatever way I can, because there isn't that hate there. There might be a lot of misunderstandings. There might right. be a lot of misinformation that has been passed along. And Black men get together and they talk about their bad experiences with Black women and Black women get together and talk about their bad experiences with Black men. We right. can't leave out the aunties who, you know, throw a whole bunch of salt on it. So it's like, I just want us to have these open conversations where we can really show up and, and be there for each other. It doesn't even have to be like this romantic relationship or anything, just as a support system as a whole. So again, thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that. Oh, listen, you're so welcome. And I just, that's why at the beginning, I wanted to definitely acknowledge and say thank you again. Um, you just expressed everything that was wrapped up in that. And I want to just elaborate on that a little bit more. This is huge, Talia, the, the 
way how we met and the way how the connection went and how it is evolving. Sometimes we don't know. We're, you know, we don't want to keep it sexist. You know what I mean? I think it is intended that um, man to be with a woman. So, you know, without the things that you just spoke about, I mean, a little bit, you're going to have some drum, but you should be able to come home. That should be where the communication should take place. You know, by the time you go to the, you know, hang out with your guys or the women go hang out with the women, you know, you can have, you know, whatever other kind of conversation doesn't need to be you trying to unravel the things that you went at home because it should be a healthy, it should be a healthy home to where the kids should be able to come and, and talk to their parents and the parents should be able to instruct their kids and things like that. So with this avenue and the way how you have facilitated this, this has been a big help. Like I said, going through the training for the um, mental health, I mean, that was huge. That was that was a huge blessing in my life in itself. I mean, you're the you're the hand behind that and the face behind that, oh, which is you. connected now. And I'm I'm saying thank you again. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, but yes, the not being comfortable around one another, which is kind of sad, you know, to want to share that information. But we do have these outlets. Like you said, we have our aunties, we have our grandmothers and, and great-grandmothers and uncles. It may come different places, you know, from different places, should I say. Just for me personally, this was, I was in my early 20s. And the myth was, you know, a lot of gossiping take place at the beauty shop. Right. That was just across. That was just a flat out myth that, hey, you just run. Oh, that's what the women doing there. That's what they doing there. Boy, they, they had, I ain't never been in one, you know, but I remember going into the barber shop And being there in the waiting room and hearing some of the conversations, you know, that took place in there it blew my mind. Well, I can say about 22. And I left that day and I said, whoever said that they gossip in the beauty shops. I don't know if they do, but if they said that it don't happen in the barbershop, they lied. And it wasn't the fact that, that there was this gossiping taking place that, you know, I mean, you talk about sports, you talk about politics, everything, you know, and there's a lot of good things that do come out of there. However, when I seen that someone would judge somebody based on that they didn't see them in two weeks on their normal whatever week or two weeks that they didn't come in, that they would associate that with falling off. That blew me out of the water. And that set a precedence as far as what I knew that people were capable of talking about. You know, not only because that's your appearance, you know, not only if you so imagine what other levels th that we'll go to if we do that with something as simple as you didn't get your hair cut, you know, on clockwork like you should, you know, like we thought you should. What if, what if your grass grows a foot and a half? What if you didn't wash your car, you know, for two weeks or whatever, or you gained a little weight or you lost a little weight? You know what I mean? There's so many things that people will associate with falling off or doing bad in life. And that's what has us reluctant to 
want to communicate or want to pour out our heart with one another. I mean, we will go ahead and break the bank to make sure that we got Air Jordans on and an Air Jordan sweatsuit and make sure the nails and, and, and all this is just, you know, the car is shiny. We'll, we'll break the bank to make sure that we're presentable because we don't want nobody to associate us with falling off. And we might be off, but we don't want to be associated with that from our appearance. And so I have to say that in conjunction to everything you said, because it was just, this is my other half of it. We're saying the same thing or whatever, but those are some of the barriers that we, I mean, I'm hearing a lot about edges. I mean, the women, I mean, I'm like, <laughs> are you serious? Are you serious? You judging a whole woman's character and her financial situation, her upbringing, where she going in life and the relationship that she could possibly over this? over the edges of her hair. And then that woman is about to lose her mind because she got to make sure not nothing else. I mean, everything else is there, but particularly 100% attention because she don't want to walk out her front door because of the edges of her hair. Mm -hmm. Not her character and the content of her love in her, you know, her intent and things like this, this, and that sad brings tears to my eyes. Yeah. Yeah, it is sad. And, you know, you're making a great point, Kevin, because in a nutshell, we're hard on each other. So yes. it's like, why would we open up to each other and come to each yes. other for help when we're already judging each other on such superficial things? So mm -hmm. yes, great point. Great point. Sorry to take us off track a little bit, but here we go. I had to, we had to. It needed to be it. said. It needed to be said. And that's what this conversation is about is getting things out there so that we can move forward so that black men and black women can get the support that they need and start to find those people in places where they can get what they need and start to move forward and have that quality of life that they deserve. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for the first part of our conversation. As you can see, Kevin and I had a lot to discuss and there's more to come. I would really like to know what you thought about what you've heard so far. This is a two-part podcast episode. I want to know what your thoughts are. And there's no right or wrong. There's no good or bad. I'm just interested in knowing what you walked away with from this conversation so far. Are there certain people that came to mind? Are there certain things that you've been putting off that maybe you need to do? This conversation is to help our Black men, if they're not already, to get focused on better health and a better quality of life. Also, finding ways where other people in our communities can support them as well. So please let me know what you think. You can find Navigating Cancer Together on Anchor anchor.fm. When you go to my podcast page, there is a little section that you can click on and it says message. Please leave me a voice message. And if it's okay, I might play it on our next episode, part two. I just really want to get people engaged. I really want to keep having these kinds of conversations. I don't want it to stop with Kevin and I. So please join us next week for part two. That's next Wednesday, July 6th. 
for part two. I will be sharing all of this on social media. Kevin will be sharing it on his Facebook page. You'll be able to listen to part two. Like I said, let's keep these conversations going. Thank you so much for joining us for this first part of a two-part series. I hope you found it valuable. Thank you. And until next time, let's keep navigating Black men's health together. Take care.